and welcome to this podcast series from Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. We will be taking a close look at the world of turnaround and exploring how to grow your business. We'll be talking to the people who've experienced it, from financial directors to lawyers and business owners, in order to give you insight and practical help. So if you are faced with dealing with a similar situation, hopefully it won't seem so daunting. Your host is David Stone, founder and CEO of Prompt Business Strategies. He'll be joined by a range of experts to discuss the hot issues. We hope you enjoy this podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking at the current situation in the marketplace and how different factors are affecting businesses. What do they mean for you or the businesses that you work with? I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'm a business owner. I'm going to be talking to David Stone, founder of Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. Hello, David. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Nice to see you again. Thank you. And you, and you. So, I mean, things are pretty lively at the moment, aren't they, in the markets? <laughs> it's not adult. Last few years have not been dull, have they, <laughs> really? Well, I think lively is an understatement. I think we thought it was pretty difficult in COVID, but I think we're entering a completely different arena now. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, tri- it's really tricky out there. So what are you seeing at the moment? You know, you, you're constantly meeting with business owners and directors of, of companies. What, what are you seeing and what are they experiencing at the moment? The common factor is worry. And, and I think in COVID, people were, including us, extremely worried. And then we could see a way through and the government support, a lot of things felt like there was a way through it. This feels very different. This feels back to, I'm old enough to remember sort of 92 and interest rates at 15% and everything. And there's a lots of that coming back. I feel that the same nervousness I witnessed, um, and I was reasonably young then, but when businesses then, I can see happening again where shareholders, investors, directors aren't totally clear what, what that landscape is going forward and what the right action. So Unfortunately, one of worry, I think, is a common factor I'm seeing. So do you think people are better prepared from having taken precautions through COVID? Or do you think COVID's left them very exposed because they don't have the reserves? Which, which do you think it is? Or is it a combination of the two? No, it's a really good question. And I think a lot of companies divide on this point. So a lot of companies during COVID borrowed money, but never used it. Or their COVID loans, et cetera, um, C-build loans, and didn't use them. So they've got those still sitting there as cash reserves. And you've also got some very healthy businesses just that have cash reserves on the balance sheet. But I have to say the majority, and you would say that is the case, that we are seeing don't have those reserves. So they've already stretched everything. So they've already possibly got a backlog on HMRC. They've got a time-to-pay agreement. They also don't have much cash in the bank. So they don't have a lot of lifelines. And I think the other thing is that we're seeing people looking a bit worn out as well. They feel like they've been through you know, quite a few battles to get to this stage. And therefore, we're seeing like fatigue, almost sort of battle we're in. I know, I know we saw a lot of people take early retirement and get out of businesses in COVID. And I think this is another wave of people going, you know, this is tricky. Yeah, and of course, that's going to knock into recruitment as well, which is a huge problem for a lot of people at the moment, finding finding good people, isn't it? It's really difficult. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Um, and I mean, you work across a lot of different sectors um, on a day-to-day basis. So I know you've got some retail clients. W- what are you seeing in retail? 
Again, we're, we're involved in a couple of retail high street brands that obviously I won't mention the names, but they're ones you definitely would know. And there's a common thread to both of those. So one of which is forward buying uh, of goods. Most of that is in, in dollars, ultimately ends up in dollars. Obviously, you know, the pound's weakness. I know it's recovered a little bit over the last 24 hours, but in real terms, the pound is weak. So that is creating a higher cost base. The other thing is sort of, you can see customer confidence is quite weak. To drive sales, we're having to discount quite heavily online and in stores as well. And that sort of works, temporarily works. It generates cash. Obviously, we can get cash flow moving. But ultimately, the businesses won't be profitable if they have to carry on discounting. So I think we're seeing, you know, it's a combination of consumer spending is still there, but at the right price. And you will see that as well. You'll be feeling, you know, the number of emails you'll be getting from brands saying they've got sales on and and flyers coming through your door is incredibly high as retail tries to do this. And then you've got all all the normal ones that everyone else is seeing, which is the higher cost. So you've got, you know, stores, you've got staff pressure, and actually getting staff is really tricky at the moment and retaining them. And then we've got all the premises costs, which are energy, all that side. So uh, it's very, very difficult. I, I mean, the main brands will be fine. I mean, because they you know, have reserves, most of them, or have private equity backing. But some of the smaller brands that have come up through the last five years are going to struggle, basically. Yeah, no, I can see that. And also, I mean, consumers are constantly being told it's going to be a really tough winter. They don't want to spend. They've got Christmas coming and they just don't want to spend either, do they? So, you know, it's a difficult time, really difficult time. No. Uh, you can see that. I mean, yeah, people are going to hang on to any cash for, you know, Christmas presents stroke holiday. Um, so I think we are about to go into low. And, and I sort of does feel slightly like the UK has very conveniently sort of talked itself into recession as well. So, you know, it's a sort of, it feels like, um, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy that we're in at the moment. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. So, I mean, uh, we talked about sort of property, you know, one of the costs is property you know, a lot of the time for people and rent and, and and all the costs of running their property and their offices. So, I mean, in the property sector, what are you seeing there generally? Yeah, we've it was amazing. We immediately saw some fairly large sort of office transaction where people were buying offices that were about to go through literally last week. Two of those got stalled. So one was stalled literally because the lender pulled the loan. I mean, literally as extreme as that. And the other one was where the board decided that it actually needed to review the forward economics of buying the property. These were not huge transactions. They were a couple of million uh, scales. In terms of office-wise, they're not big. But they are sentiments of the market. So, yeah, tricky, the bottom line. So, like everything, you know, property you know, can be impacted very quickly. It can recover quickly, as we all know. So, but you can see it at the moment that there's a nervousness definitely in the market relating to property. We've witnessed it firsthand. I mean, one of the areas I've really noticed my personal bills starting to increase is food. You know, my my weekly shopping's gone up hugely. I'm trying to feed a couple of teenagers. You know, you really you really start to feel it. So, uh, but you you work with food producers as well, don't you? And you know, what, what what's it like from their end? I mean, obviously we know the consumer end. What what's it like for the manufacturers? And yeah, I mean they're getting squeezed from both ends. So they're getting squeezed from the big retailers, so the big high street brands that we all know that dominate the, the supermarket areas, whereby 
They're resisting price increases primarily wherever possible. And you can understand why, because us as consumers, there's only so much we will withstand in our shopping basket weekly in terms of increase. So you, you sort of got it from that side that they're resisting that. And they're obviously protecting their margin wherever possible as a retailer. But the food producers really are sandwiched in this thing. Sorry, the pun there. But they literally are, from a cost point of view, you know, they've got all the inbound costs of raw ingredients. They've also got very high energy and they're very, very large water consumers as well, actually, in food producers. So from a sort of general consumption point of view, they really are, it's really difficult to market. And also the whole labour market, the staff labour market, is very difficult for them because there literally aren't enough people that want to work in those environments. It's hard work. The rewards are okay, but they're not exciting. Um, and there are other jobs to go to. So they are finding it very, very tough. And, and I think, you know, I don't want to be drama on this, but I think there will be failures in, in that supply chain and manufacturing so of producing. So, yeah, it's, it's not an area you want to be in. Obviously, the good news is we all consume food and therefore, ultimately, if they can hang in there, they will come good. But some may have to be acquired by larger companies that have critical mass. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, the, the point about raw materials for food, you know, just having talked to people um, last week, you know, overseas, that the, the supply chain issues are such a problem in every country that it's going to knock into the UK, isn't it? Do you think those small manufacturers are going to have thought through sort of options to change suppliers and get their, their raw materials from somewhere else? Or do you think they are just going to suddenly get a shock if they can't get the the raw materials in i mean the interesting thing is smaller businesses i tend to find are very agile which actually is really good because they're often very very entrepreneurial because they're they're relatively new businesses often with very younger generation owners who are energized and also really sort of understand networking social media they're really sort of switched on i think it's the next tier up actually that will be more formal and have more formal supply chains and would have locked into supply chains because they're, they're more mature businesses. Those are the ones I'm more worried about, actually, because they may not be able to break those supply chains. So they can be stuck with you know, potentially quite rigid cost base. So you know, I, I think the big boys will no doubt be all right. The smaller ones will be agile. And the middle ground ones are the ones that are most probably going to find it tougher. And that they're also the ones that have more structure in place, aren't they? And sort of tighter governance and so on. Do you think those are things that are stopping businesses being agile and moving more quickly and being able to transform themselves fast? Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm on, I'm, I'm on a board of a sort of retail hospitality company. And that was a debate the board had literally last week, actually. And that was, it's a young business. It's doing very well. Um, but we equally are worried about the, the forward projections. And one of the shareholders who's on the board reminded all of us, and I thought it was a fantastic thing, is to remain completely entrepreneurial. Don't start thinking like a corporate. Behave like an entrepreneur, because that's what this market needs. And I actually thought it was a really interesting observation that the shareholder, and ultimately is risking his money by saying that, and he also backed it up by saying, look, you know, some of the decisions we might make may go wrong, but if we don't try, we've got to try and do some things edgy to really capture the market and then show that the brands and everything else is really vibrant and that, in effect, we've, we've got that energy because, in effect, we need to stand out from the crowd. So, 
The answer to your question is I think that that mid-tier business do need to go back to that entrepreneurial spirit and tune into the market um, wherever possible. But of course, as you rightly point out, it gets harder as you become more corporate and you have more corporate governance. And of course, we would say, well, you need that to run a good business. You need all these things. Yeah, this is the dilemma. (laughs) So, So somewhere between having good corporate governance and not losing that entrepreneur spirit is the answer. And of course, that's mostly the golden nugget to get that right. But more than ever, I think that's really you know, quite critical. I think a debate on that for another podcast might be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get that shareholder on that one. <laughs> yeah, that would be really very inspirational. Yeah. So overall, I mean, it's going to be really difficult, but if you were going to give a business some tips, what would you say to them at the moment? Yeah, I can really answer this because it's actually something I've done on a couple of boards recently. So, I mean, number one is actually, you know, keep your confidence, be energised, don't get downtrodden by the media uh, and talk down. So really actually keep smiling, drive ahead, because actually that influences everybody around you. And if you're, if, you're, if you're the CEO, shareholder, et cetera, and you're looking beaten, that will rub through the business. So one is... Be confident, not overconfident, be confident. I think the other one is practical-wise, and I, I've, I know I've said this before on previous podcasts, is look at the real run rate of your business. Be honest with yourself. Is it Where is it tracking? And then more importantly, where does the cash flow track? So on the basis of the forecast you've got at the moment, not what you had several months ago, where you're really trending now, how does that cash flow withstand that? And then run some sensitivities. It doesn't need to be complicated. Run just some forecasts saying if sales drop or revenue drop, if you're in service sector by 5 maybe 10%, maybe even more, at what point do you arrive at an inflex point where the cash flow can't withstand that? And then work backwards from that. And honestly, we've done that on a couple of the boards that I've been on at the moment where we've actually said, okay, so if we're on this run rate and if we miss it by 10%, when do we have a problem? More importantly, early warning. So when should we take actions? And we've actually now got these graphed out. Um, and we actually can see when when the two months warning that we need to take action. Because often you can't cut costs or take actions quick enough. So early warning is everything. So it's about being realistic about the direction you're heading. No, that's great, David. Thanks ever so much for the, those tips. And it's been really interesting this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. If you want to get in touch with David Stone or any of our speakers, please visit our website, promptstrategies.co.uk and use the contact details you'll find there. All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and are general, so they do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please do talk to us directly.